Now, today I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began recently entitled Energy Boost, Recovering Desire and Restoring Hope. And if you're anything like me, there's moments in life when I need an energy boost. Sometimes there's some of you who, when you need an energy boost, what you do is you go for an energy drink. For others of you, you go for coffee. Where are my coffee drinkers at? You know, coffee's my go-to. Coffee's what I go to. I love that first sip of coffee. Oh, my goodness. Coffee is delicious. The smell of coffee, the taste of coffee, every little bit about coffee. I like to tell people that I'm blessed and highly caffeinated. Where are my blessed and highly caffeinated people here? Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be serving that in heaven. It's going to be delicious. In life, we often need an energy boost, but sometimes what happens is... We, do, we just don't need an energy boost for right now. We need an energy boost for a season. Because sometimes life shows up and you fall in a pothole and you just need God to show up in a mighty way. And so today I want to share with you some thoughts about how you can restore your hope in hopeless, difficult situations. And so today we're going to look at the story of Moses. I want to invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 3. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. But before I get into the text today, let me just make mention to you a little bit about what's happening in the book of Exodus. Exodus 1 opens up by telling us that the nation of Israel, they are in Egypt and they are slaves. The Pharaoh is using them to expand his kingdom. He's persecuting them. But there comes a point in time when the Pharaoh begins to worry about the nation of Israel because they keep having babies. And so what he does is out of fear, he issues a decree that every baby boy under the age of two should be murdered. Now, I just want to say this, and I want to pause for a moment, because I think it's important that I unpack this for us today, is that any time the enemy sees a seismic shift happening in the spiritual, this is the message that he communicates to that culture, that they need to kill their babies. For you see, this is the same strategy that Satan convinced Herod to employ right when Jesus was born. See, Moses' assignment was to lead the nation of Israel out of oppression and to set them free. Jesus came so that we may have life and life abundant and to save our life. And today, in our culture, the enemy is convinced our culture and our leaders that abortion is the thing that needs to happen. I just believe that the generation that we are in and the generation that's right in front of us has a divine destiny. And their job is to usher in the greatest move of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever seen. For you see, in Acts chapter 2, it says, In the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men and women will have visions. And I believe the enemy wants to destroy the prophetic move of God and the vision for the future that the next generation has. And we must be willing to say no. Not here, not now. But back to the story of Moses. Moses' mom is faced with a difficult decision. Does she just choose to raise her son in her own home and risk him being killed? Well, God gave her a solution. He whispered in her heart, you need to put your son in a basket, send him down the Nile, and see what happens. 
I'll tell you this, whenever God's in it, he'll often ask you to do strange things that seem strange at the time, but that will look like miracles later on. We just need to be obedient. So what happens? Pharaoh's daughter happens to be out by the river Nile. She sees this basket. She has her servant bring the basket to her. And lo and behold, she finds baby Moses. So what does she do? She adopts Moses. She raises him in her own home. And God saves Moses. But while Moses was growing up, he always realized that he was different. He knew that he was not an Egyptian. He knew that he was a Jew. And so one, at one point, he's out, he's walking around, and he notices an Egyptian persecuting and beating a fellow Jew, a fellow Hebrew man. And so he steps in and he intervenes, and in that moment, he snaps, he gets angry, and he kills the Egyptian. Sometimes you can be on the right assignment, but do it the wrong way. That's exactly what Moses did. He stepped in. He did it the wrong way. He tried to hide the body, but it was too late. Somebody saw what he had done. The word spread like a virus, and it got back to the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh put a hit out on Moses. If you see him, bring him to me. So what did Moses do? He ran away. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you've made a mistake and you feel like you're too far gone, that there's no redemption, that there's no hope for you? Moses felt that way, and sometimes we feel that very same way. And I'm here to tell somebody in this house that it's never too late. With God, if he is in it, it's never too late. It's never too late. Be willing to hold on to hope. So with that in mind, I want to invite you. Exodus chapter 3, let's look at verse 1 and following. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, I think very feebly, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7 and verse 9. The Lord said, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He had lost hope. He needed an energy boost. So today I want to share with you a couple thoughts that you can put in practice in your life when you are needing hope and when you feel like it's way too late for you. Number one, I want to invite you to stop hiding. Stop hiding. Verse one says this, Now Moses was tending the flock, and he led that flock to the far side of the wilderness. What I noticed about this passage is that it wasn't just the wilderness. It was the far side of the wilderness. It was as far away from civilization as possible. Sometimes in life, 
Whenever we feel ashamed, we don't just go to the wilderness. We go to the far side of the wilderness. But that's not where God needed him to be. In fact, God went through all this trouble to save his life so that he could be in the Pharaoh's household and be a messenger and a beacon of hope in a pagan world. That was Moses' assignment. In fact, when he confronted that Egyptian that was beating that Hebrew man, he was actually stepping into and operating out of his assignment. For you see, his divine assignment was to set them free. But here's what often happens in life. We let our temper get the best of us. Don't aid and abet the enemy to destroy your assignment. In fact, I think the enemy means two things for us as believers. Number one, he wants to kill you. But if Satan can't kill you, he'll try to kill your assignment. Don't help the enemy kill your assignment by losing your temper. Now, I'm going to speak to the men briefly. I'm a man. I can often lose my temper. Sometimes I do. I get frustrated. But the Bible tells us that the, the, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. We need to keep our emotions in check. Because often our anger and our frustration will compromise the calling that God has for us. Don't compromise your calling. But also, don't hide from your assignment. Run towards it. I want to invite you to lean in. I want to challenge you to lean in. You know, leaders, they lean in. Whether it's leading their marriage, they lean in. Whether it's leading their family, they lean in. Whether it's leading at work, they lean in. Can I just challenge you today to lean into whatever God's put before you? Be willing to step into that, but be mindful that as you step into that, the enemy wants to use anything in your life to compromise your calling. He's looking for a toehold in your life. He's willing to use anger, frustration, pride, arrogance, insecurity, anxiety, fear, and even shame. In fact, I think Satan wants to elevate shame in our life. Guilt is where we say, I feel bad about what I've done. Shame says, I feel bad about who I am. And the enemy wants to convince you today that you're not good enough, that you've messed up too bad, that it's too far gone, that you cannot move forward. You're a done deal. In fact, that was the demon that was whispering to Moses for 40 years. For you see, he, he was 80 years old before he went back to Egypt. He spent and wasted 40 years in the wilderness with this demon whispering at him, you're never going to go back. You're never going to make a difference. You're just going to be a sheep herder. God's done with you. Some of us, we need to shout to shame and say, it's never too late. God has an assignment for me. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them that. It's never too late. God has an assignment for me. If you're still breathing, keep believing. If you're still breathing, keep believing. Are you breathing today? Then keep believing. But if you happen to find yourself on the far side of a wilderness moment, I want to encourage you to find the closest person to you and get connected to them. For you see, it's in isolation that shame grows. That's where, we, that's where shame just operates and it works on our mind and our spirit. I know some of you have struggled with that before. Don't hide from community. Don't hide from other people. Get connected. 
Recently, I said that I needed to make a shirt that says, my life group is my family. Well, I came up with another shirt idea. My life group is squad goals. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want, if you're in a life group, I want you to take out your camera and take a photo of this screen and send it to the people in your life group. But even if you're not in a life group, I want you to take this photo and let that be a decision today that from today on, you're going to pursue community. You're going to find a community of faith. I want this to be a faith decision today that as of today, going forward, you will no longer be disconnected from community because the enemy wants to isolate you so that he can destroy you. Here at Westover, we're very committed to helping you get connected to life groups. And if you're disconnected after service, I'm going to be available. I'd love to help you get connected to life groups. In fact, we have a couple different opportunities that you can take to get connected. We have a, we have a class called Circle Up that happens at 1145 every week where you can discover what it means to be in community. In fact, also Art of Marriage and Art of Parenting starts next week. And today's the last day for you to register online. So if you want to take that class, go ahead and register. It may be the next step that God has for you. But maybe you're not ready for that. But that's okay if you're not ready for that. Because what I want you to do is I want, to find, I want you to find the person that you're sitting right next to. Maybe they are squad goals for you. Because the Bible tells us that where two or more are gathered in his name, he's in their midst. All you need is two to make a community. All you need is two to have a squad. You just need someone else who's there to love on you, who's there to care for you, who's there to challenge you to grow spiritually. That's all it takes. So I want to challenge you to go ahead, maybe after service today, go to lunch with that person and talk about what we shared today. That's how you get started in community. The second way to restore hope when you feel it's too late is to believe the impossible. Believe in the impossible. Now Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. We're a spirit-filled church. We need to believe in the impossible. We need to believe in the impossible. Because if we believe in the impossible, then God can accomplish the impossible in our life. If you don't believe in the impossible, guess what? God can't do the impossible in your life. And God wants to do the impossible in your life to communicate to you that he has the power to do that thing that's impossible. Anything that seems impossible to you, he wants to prove it to you. But also, God specializes in your impossible to prove his power to others. There's a dying and unbelieving world around us that needs to see the work of God and the miracles of God. Recently, I came across a story a couple months ago of a church up in West Virginia. The name of the church is Freedom Ministries. And on a very cold day in March, their church burned down. And as the church was burning down, the firefighters were working to put it out and as the firefighters stepped into the ash and into the rubble, they were surprised by what they saw. What they saw was within that church, there were Bibles that were not burned. 
And so as I was preparing this message, I began to say, Lord, what does this all mean? Because if you go through all the trouble to save some Bibles, what are you trying to communicate to your people? Here it is. Whenever the building around you is burning, God's word still stands. It doesn't matter if your situation is burning around you. God is true. He is faithful. He loves you, and you can rely on him. His word is true and faithful. Hold on to that. Hold fast to that. Believe in the word of God. So what is the impossible thing that you're facing? Do you feel like you're on the cusp of divorce? Entrust it to God. Are you struggling with your child and in your parenting? Invite the impossible to come in. Is it a difficulty with your adult child? Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's your paycheck. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Whatever it is, entrusted to God. I love the song that we sang recently, just, just a little while ago, about how God wants to turn what the enemy meant for evil, and he wants to turn it into good. And I believe that's a word for some of us today. You've been facing severe difficulty, and God is here to tell you, I'm going to prove to you that I've got your back. I'm going to prove to you that I am reliable. I'm going to turn that thing that the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to turn it for your good, and I'm going to prove to everyone that I am good and faithful in your life. The third step to take when you need to restore hope and when you feel like it's too late is to close the gap. Be willing to close the gap. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, here's what I want you to know. God pays attention to what you pay attention to. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Look at this. He was ashamed. He was like many of us. He was ashamed. I love this passage because it gives me so much hope. You know, I'm just like you. I have my frailties. I have my insecurities. I have my doubts. But this passage tells me that even in the midst of my humanity, God is calling out. He's saying, Jonathan, Jonathan, I'm right here. Tony, Tony, I'm right here. Jesse, Jesse, I'm right here. Mary, Mary, I'm right here. Even though you're Mary, Mary, quite contrary, I still love you. I don't know what season you're in. But if you're in a fiery season, God is calling out to you. If you're in a wilderness season, God is calling out to you. If you're in a difficult season, God is calling out to you. And he's calling you by name and he's saying, son and daughter, I'm right close by. But don't get caught up in the fact that the bush was burning and it wasn't consumed because that's not what it's about. You see, God does things often just to catch our attention. We live in a culture that anything that's flashy, we pay attention to. Flashy lights, flashy music, everything's flashy, flashy, flashy. Can I encourage you young adults? Don't get consumed by what is flashy and the experience of what is flashy. Pursue an encounter with God. Pursue an encounter with God. And can I just challenge you young adults? 
We need you to step forward and lead us in worship. There is a worship song that is in your heart. There's the Spirit of God stirring up within you. And I just want to continue to challenge you to come up to the altars and lead us in worship. It makes a difference. We appreciate you. Here it is. Don't get consumed by just the experience. Look for an encounter because the miracles of God may draw you close, but the voice of God will keep you close. A couple months ago, I was at a conference, a leadership conference, and I heard Priscilla Shire tell a story. She had gone on vacation. She had gone to Kenya. She had gone to the Maasai Mara, and she had gone on a safari. And so she saw thousands upon thousands of animals. She saw elephants. She saw wildebeest. She saw leopards and lions and all of that. But as they were driving along, the guide told her, there's something interesting about zebras. When a mom zebra has a baby zebra, what she'll do is she'll hide that baby zebra in the thicket. Because when the baby is first born, they're very vulnerable. But that isn't the most important reason why the mom hides the zebra in the thicket. And then the guide stopped talking. So Priscilla tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, what's the rest of the story? So the guide told her, the reason why the mom zebra hides the baby zebra in the thicket for a couple of weeks is because it is in the isolation that the mom zebra creates intimacy with the baby zebra. For you see, when life shows up, the baby zebra needs to know the voice of the mom zebra. It needs to know the smell of the mom zebra. It actually imprints the markings of the mom zebra in its mind. So when the enemy comes in and attacks, it looks around, and when it sees mom, it runs towards mom. Here it is. I don't know why you're in a wilderness moment. Maybe it's one of your own creation. Maybe God is leading you in an isolated moment for a reason, but the reason he has you in that moment and he will capitalize on that moment is because it's in the isolation where he creates intimacy. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to see the marks on his back. He wants you to know that he loves you and that he cares for you. He wants you to know that he's whispering your name. He wants to remind you that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of your past, your present, and your future. He is the God not only in the good times, but also in the difficult times. And you can rely on him. Be willing to close the gap. And number four, to restore hope when you feel like it's too late is to go back and finish it. Verse seven says this, the Lord said, and then on to verse nine, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. What I love about this passage is that God is sending Moses back to the place of defeat. For some of you, God's calling you back to a difficult situation. Maybe you're in a difficult work situation and God has not released you from that. Maybe God is calling you to go back and reach for a family member who's just, they're like hugging a cactus. You love them, but oh man, it's, it's painful. God wants us to go back and rescue someone. A handful of months ago, I was at a friend's house and I met up with a friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie. Stephanie is a teacher. 
And Stephanie was in the struggle of her life. She was on a campus where there wasn't a whole lot of support, where the administration was doing things that weren't right. And the conversation and the culture that she was in, all the teachers were saying, I'm out, I'm going to leave at the end of the year. And so she was wrestling with this in her own spirit. What do I do? It just so happened at that moment I was preparing a message about Elijah. And I told her, you're an Elijah to Elisha's yet to come. I told her, you need to seek the face of God and determine what you need to do. Because if you walk in the way of the Lord, he will lead you. But if you bail and you're not supposed to, you'll regret it. Handful of weeks ago, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Jonathan, I just want to offer you an update. I said, hey, how's it going? She said, I spent the entire summer seeking the face of God. And I looked at the stories of people in the Bible who struggled. I looked at the story of Moses. I looked at the story of Elijah. I looked at the story of uh, uh, Job. I looked at the story of Jonah. And in those stories, God always intervened. And I said, God, I need you to intervene in my life. I need you to show me what I need to do. And two weeks before, the beginning of the school year, he told me to go back. I didn't want to go back, but I went back. A third of our teachers are gone. We have brand new teachers at this campus. But I've been at this campus six six years, and I'm stepping back into my seventh year. And I need to go back, and I need to finish it. She says, oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Pastor Jonathan, but the number seven in the Bible is the number of completion. I need to go back and save and rescue some students who need to know that God is real and that people aren't willing to give up on them. And I'm willing to be that person for them. Who is God calling you to rescue? Is it an unsaved neighbor? Is it a family member that's struggling with drugs? Is it a friend that has a financial difficulty? Who is God calling you to go back and rescue? Whoever he's sending you back for, it's because they matter to him. And if they matter to him, they should matter to us. We must be willing to go back and set some people free. And as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want you to listen to verse 11 and 12 of this passage in Exodus chapter 3. God said, I'm sending you back. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, listen to this, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this, mount, on, the, on this mountain. You see, church, in every moment, God is whispering to you, I will be with you. I want you to hear the voice of God right now. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. He's whispering. He wants you to hear it. Let me tell you how this story ends. Horeb was a place, a mountain of defeat, a mountain of isolation, a mountain of fear. But you know another name for Horeb 
is Mount Sinai. We don't know how long it was between this moment and when the nation of Israel ended up at Mount Sinai, but Mount Sinai was where the presence of God showed up, where there was an earthquake, where there was a fire, where there was the smoke of God's presence. All it took was for Moses to be willing to make the place and let God make the place of his desolation and defeat a holy place, a place where God could rest. That's all it takes, church. If we're willing to let God make our heart and our life a holy place, he will take our place of defeat and make it into a place of victory.